Amen. You may be seated. Please be seated. Are you, are you ready, please? Signal me when you are ready.
Shall we pray? Father, we thank you this evening. We ask that you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. to look at a very important subject matter for our Christian lives. I said on, on Sunday that The Christian life emerges from Christian doctrine. When you see a loaf of bread, it took its shape from a model or a plate. bread takes its shape from that model. Now the same thing applies to uh, our Christian lives. It is a capital mistake to think people will just be Christian without a framework of doctrine. That is the mess we have on our hands, especially with this charismatic age of the church. The Bible did not say that they continue steadfastly in speaking in tongues. No. They spoke in tongues. They stopped and they taught doctrine. So that what? So that we will have a bread. Something will come out of that. So one of your prayers you should be praying for the church is that teaching will come back to the church. 
or else you won't even have a wife. You'll be married to something else because she does not know how to conduct herself. She can sing, but she doesn't know how to conduct herself. Your husband will be charismatic, but not Christ-like. Don't forget the illustration I gave you. And as emotional as we are, and especially Christianity is not supposed to be in brands, but the brand that you subscribe to can heighten your emotions. And as a result of that, you will miss teaching. When you enter a typical classroom, let's say we are studying mass or chemistry, I mean, it's not an emotional stuff. You have to open your mental antennas to get the titration, to get the sum. We don't learn mass with emotions. You have to be alert, you have to be sober to follow the play of numbers. You have to be sober to, to know that this is hydrogen. This is sodium. This is that. Now, if even in school, we have to be that thoughtful, we have to be more than that in the church of God. Somebody must tell God's people that, or else they run in vain. But we are only going to be build up when we settle down to real business in the house of God. When that discipline comes to church, you will do well in even many things. You will, you will carry that discipline to many aspects of your life.
Because you know what it means to pay attention to something. You know what it means to, to sit down and listen and reason. with God. And more than that, Christian doctrine is the sword of the Spirit. It is the sword of the spirit. Real spiritual warfare is applied doctrine. Doctrine applied. It's not when some Christians meet and they are clapping their hands and chasing imaginary beings. No. Warfare, real spiritual warfare, where we use the sword of the spirit, that sword is doctrine applied. Jesus in his temptation was applying the doctrine of God's word. That's all. Anything the devil tells him says no. It is written. Not I clap my hands. Not give me one more song. But it is written. And that is where doctrine comes from. And God has not revised his word. He has not revised it. So nobody can come up and say, oh, let things be as they are. No. Standards must be upheld in God's house. 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 Standards must be upheld. How do we measure the standards? By the doctrine. By the doctrine. For instance, a believer must know who to marry. A non-believer is not part of it. It's doctrine. 
there are clear marks for selection of leaders in the house of God. It's not open to, you know, who, we don't come to Jesus and say, who do you think should now become the pastor? Then you, you, you select the person. No. There are standards in the word of God. The standards of relationships. There are standards and they must be upheld. How to be saved? There are standards. That is the meaning of the phrase the church is the ground and pillar of truth. It simply means it's the ground and pillar of standard. The, the prophet has said, lift up a standard for my people. It's a good prayer. It's not bad at all. It's my prayer that in the days and days of current Christianity, those of us here, we will lift up a standard. We will lift up. We must lift up a standard. It is sacrilegious to say that give God hope. Give God hope. But I want to I want to appeal to you for your to understand that let's give God hope that we can keep something. Even at the expense of our lives, we can keep it. At the expense of our lives, we can keep it. Or else we are not Christians. At the expense of our life. So how dare you call yourself a Christian when somebody is losing his life for the same confession you are making? So Antipas is not lucky. Right? Early Christians did not play with it. Most evening meetings were for that purposes. Today there is every pressure to convert every meeting. If it doesn't have a miracle twist or emphasis, no people can come. So there is, there is something miraculous in it as an attraction for the people. We will take a communion in the evening to protect you so you come. See that?
Can we, for God's sake, forget ourselves a little? And bring back worship in this purity. Can we come out of our thrones and let God be on the throne? I like the way you are sitting up and you are being challenged. That is church. That is Holy Spirit, what you are seeing. Nobody has fallen down. This is Holy Spirit. This is Holy Spirit. Not a tinge of emotions or sensationalism or something. This is pure Holy Spirit. There is order. There is holiness. There is understanding. There is awe. There is fear. That's Holy Ghost. And that's Book of Us. When this kind of thing gains more influence, that's revival. That's it. So we are looking at one of the important doctrines today. And the purpose of doctrine is for experience. It's, it's not it's not about terminologies or definitions. See, what is this? Then you are able to explain it. That is not the point. If we don't understand that the things we teach in church as we are supposed to leave them, we have not understood coming to church. That's why to preach to impress is beside the point. It does not belong anywhere to preach to impress. No, we preach so that we will leave. The Bible calls it godly edifying. The church is not a debating ground. As a member of the apostles even called debate a sin. Because in that world, they were used to debating a lot. The Hellenistic world, the Greeks, were all around them. So unless you bring your, your controversies, your controversial, your critical, debating, argumentative nature to the church, the apostles said, no, we don't do that here. Here you sit down and we tell you and you say, Amen. No argument, no debate. That is what they said in the, in, the, in the epistles. If you check the list of the works of the flesh, one of them is debates. Arguments. Because they don't lead to godly edifying. That's not what we are in church for. Okay. If it was only Cain and Abel, who did they marry? That's not your business. Can we talk about your heart? 
You see, it's a safe haven for you. You can easily hide behind that and spend a whole hour or more trying to talk about that. You are just wearying yourself for nothing. Meanwhile, there are matters to address. Your heart, your thoughts. So, neglect of these things have given room to all kinds of characters in the church. To be a Christian, we have to look at Greek lexicon and the Hebrew word and what have you. We don't need that. Didn't you hear what Paul the Apostle said? He said, you are living a pistol. You have become an epistle written not with ink, but with the Spirit of God. You see, Paul wrote epistles because the people had not become the epistle. He wrote the epistles because the people had not become the epistle. I repeat, he wrote the epistles because the people had not become. So he would now tell them, know ye not. Now if you are, why should he tell you? Because that was the apostolic passion that the people will be what they are saying. So every epistle or letter they wrote was a kind of a rejoinder. They were supposed to be the word like Christ. Christ was the word. He did not write anything. And, and Paul, Paul did not write anything without or without the mind of a response to something. No. It was everything they wrote was a kind of a response. Something was not being done well, so he writes. See that? So you even see why we should write Christian books. We don't just write. We need to have something to say. No. May the Lord help us to be Christians. To be Christian. Look, there are nations that take their time to teach how it means to be a citizen of that country. How it means to be British. They teach it. How to use cutlery, even as low as that. I don't know whether they do that in Ghana, how to be Ghanaian. They take time to teach them. How much more citizens of the kingdom of our God? For your citizenship, your conversation is in heaven. From whence we look for the Savior. When these things don't register with you and stay with you, you, you must check whether you are a Christian or not. 
they don't register they don't ring a bell they don't strike a call they can't make you stop and say they have mentioned something about me i'm walking too fast let me stop i've heard something about my savior and heaven money can make you to stop money you have been stopped by money many times why can't he make you to stop the bible says Stephen dying Stephen he looked into the heavens he, was he did not feel the stones that's not what Christians stops to take a look at the heads and the insults held on them by people no they are blessed because the spirit of glory rests on them even for that but he looked he looking a christian like you he looking into the skies the bible says he saw the heaven open and jesus standing And he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Either these things are real, or we are of all men the most liars. Let's go and continue with all that we're doing in the morning. Work on and get more money. Don't even have to close at five. Tell your boss that I want to do overtime. You come and meet me here tomorrow at six. I brought another dress, I will change. I love this business, I will work for you. I, I will make it work. That is what you should be doing. But if you think and you know that this thing is truth and Jesus is the truth and the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And the church is the ground and pillar of truth. And the minister is a minister of truth. And the word is the word of truth. And we are born of the truth. Then let's press on with the truth. Joshua felt there was something ahead of him. So he kept on pressing. He felt there was something ahead of him. Nothing crossed his mind that perhaps as we are advancing, there will be nothing. God is just deceiving us. No. Because sometimes you can even see miracles and yet you are still doubting. That's why miracles don't change people. Faith is beyond miracles. Faith is beyond miracles faith it's a conviction of the heart it's not a sight of the eye faith is a conviction of the heart not a sight of the eye so you can see a lame man walking and still you you will not be changed all you say is wow what a miracle then you, you move on you are never changed Joshua chapter 3, the verse number 5. 
And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders. We said that the word to sanctify in the general sense means to set apart. And I showed you an example with this, these two chairs here, that they are separate from all the chairs down here. In a loose sense of the word, they are sanctified. It means to consecrate. It means to make holy. And I said that when you hear the word sanctification, it's an alert for holiness. Holiness comes to your mind. See, these are words we should be used to in the church. It does not matter the kind of version you are using in the church, which Bible you are using. The spirit has not been lost. So you should not be afraid of those words. It does not belong to a preacher's vocabulary. It is it's a common language for the believers. And then the Lord gave them the reason why for tomorrow I'll do on this. So, sanctification before wonders. We saw how God reprimanded Moses because he did not sanctify him before the people. Jesus said in the last days, many will say unto me, have we not done wonderful works in your name? You see, the name of Jesus in itself is not an escape from righteousness, from holiness, that you are using the name. Oh, I use the name. No. It's not, it's not an es escape. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, that everyone that mentions that name, you mention that name, must depart from iniquity. You mention the name. That's it. It does not change. You see that? You depart from iniquity. The foundation of God stands sure, having the seal. The Lord knows them that are his. And let everyone from that time he wrote it till now, till when Jesus will come, let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. How many believers are part of iniquity now? They mention the name and they are part of iniquity. Jesus said, go and read Joshua 35. Sanctification before wonders. And I told you how it's possible to have wonders galore without sanctification. It's possible. If Judas was part of the missionary team Jesus was sending everywhere and he was still nursing treachery in his heart, he was doing wonders alongside it. He was bringing missing reports of how things were happening and yet 
there was iniquity of all iniquities in his heart. You see why we should, this is, what, this is the most important thing to talk about. You don't need to find out about the, 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 the girls that were there at Cain's time. That is not part of your, 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 your research. It won't do anything for you. The doctrine, the word, the commandment is for godly edifying. If we're not being Christian and Christ-like and godly, there is no point in, 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 in listening to preaching. And if the preacher doesn't have that as his goal, he has missed it. We don't preach to be clapped for. We don't preach to receive good offering. We don't preach to be endorsed. No. Now you see, the gospel in progress justification then sanctification god justifies the ungodly how we thank him for it god justifies the ungodly that's the beginning of christianity he justifies the ungodly by faith you see why nobody should perish and yet people are going to perish Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35. Verse 31. Hebrews 11, 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believe not. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. You believe, you don't perish. The Rahab, the, the hallowed Rahab did not perish with, with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. What explains some perishing, in fact majority perishing, and just this woman in her house getting saved is faith. Faith. The distance between life and death is faith. The distance between heaven and hell is faith. Faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. For therein the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That's how you escape damnation, perishing. sometimes people think of these things too late too late there was a preacher who went somewhere to go preach he was actually going to have a 
a crusade. So the people made him to see the, the king that was there. The king with all his wives and idolatry and everything. So he said, whilst he was sitting down, he was praying. See, there is prayer and there's prayer. When you say, God help me, what follows defines the weight of your prayer. You say, God help me to be faithful. So I've come here. Not just to be talking with this heathen king. So when they have spoken, they say, oh, what do you have to say? You know, I've spoken, I've welcomed you. So I don't have anything to say actually, but supposing uh, any of the prophets in the Bible were here, like John the Baptist, what will he say? So he began. He will say, repent. So he told the king, repent. And he led them to Christ. Then he said, the crusade begins tonight. I would like you to be there with all your wives and everything. Come. So, yeah. so he, know, he didn't even know whether the, the king was there. So when he, had, he finished preaching and he was getting down from the stage, then the king was there. So, oh, you made it. Then he said, did you, did you hear the preaching and the illustration I made? Because in his preaching, he did not know the king was there. He, he made an illustration that there was this king who was about to die and he had a clown. A clown. A clown is somebody who can entertain somebody. You know. So he was the king's official entertainer. He 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 People see him as a fool. And he had the king's staff. So the king gave him a challenge that I'm about to die. I want you to go all over my kingdom, my empire, and find out somebody who is more foolish than you. If you don't find anybody, then you retain the title. I will bless you with whatever I want to bless you with and die. But if you find somebody, then you are beaten. So this guy went around and came. He said, oh, Cain, I did not find anybody. But can I tell you something the king said? Yeah, tell on. Probably you thought it was one of his last, the last jokes you tell. He said, there is a man who is going on a long journey. And that long journey he has not prepared. And yet he's going for that journey. And the man said, the king said, who, who is that man? He said, you are the one. You are the greatest fool of all. You are going to die and you have not prepared. So, at the foot of the crusade stage, 
the preacher rehearsed the illustration to him that is holy ghost to tell a king the same story that a king is inside and he is a king that is not a lightweight preacher and then he said you are going on a long journey king this is my last time i'm seeing you it may be my last time and this may also be your first time of seeing me the last time of seeing me. it was friday when the preacher came back to his base wednesday they called him the king has died whether he believed or not nobody knows The difference between perishing and not perishing is faith. And that faith, listen, is from faith to faith. So we jump from one key of faith to another. We don't use only one key in music. There are many keys. The gospel is not only justification. There is also what? Sanctification. You know what justification is it is where god makes a sovereign proclamation over you that no condemnation and when god says no condemnation that's it it is where god makes a sovereign declaration that you are more than a conqueror because justification is the conqueror's stand it's the conqueror's stand where we shout that now is come salvation power the kingdom of our god because the accuser of our brethren is cast down and he overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony in heaven we will see the conqueror's stand that it is justification but then a new commandment comes sanctification sanctify yourself now this time around god is addressing the justified See, the message of sanctification turns inward to the justified. It turns inward. See? That message is not spoken in Jericho, which is akin to the world, but it is to Israel. It turns inward. The message out there for the unbelieving world is repent. And receive remission of sins and be justified but to the justified to the church of the firstborn it is now be sanctified because you are now home 
See, sanctification is home business. The father is going to talk about home business. Justification brings us to the father's house. Sanctification brings us up in the father's house. So we are brought in by justification. We are brought up by sanctification. Sanctification addresses expectations in the family. Justification is our admission into the family. Sanctification, our expectations in the family. What is expected of us? What does God expect of us after our justification? That is the issue of sanctification. And the goal of that is our maturity. Nobody wants to give birth to people they never mature, can't get married, can't progress in life. No. So, sanctification has our maturity in goal or as an objective. The goal is maturity. Another goal is our perfection. See? Perfection. It's almost like maturity. Because there are some things which are imperfect and God wants to perfect them. Take any instrument that people can play. There are people who are imperfect in playing that instrument. There are others who are perfect in the scale of that instrument. There are perfect pianists. And there are imperfect ones. Some people have not even begun. So they are not even imperfect to be perfect. So sanctification addresses issues of perfection. The goal is perfection. There's another goal, the goal of holiness. See, sanctification is almost synonymous with holiness, but it, it is what leads to holiness. And then another goal of sanctification is usefulness. So I've mentioned about four things. The goal of sanctification is maturity, is perfection, is holiness and usefulness. God always has his mind on usefulness. Anything God does, he wants to get a benefit out of it. And that is what I mean by usefulness. God does not just sanctify to sanctify. He is sanctified to use. Never forget that. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 20. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 20. If a man therefore purge himself from these he shall be a vessel unto Anna, sanctified and meet for the master's use. You see that? So there is usefulness as the goal of sanctification. When God really wants to use you, it's not about your skill or your talent. Men enjoy your skill or your talent 
But for God to enjoy what you are bringing, it must go through sanctification. Nobody checks the sanctification of people who do sports in the world or they do whatever. But for God to be a minister in God's house, to be a priest. So when you read, for instance, the book of Leviticus, which is all about priesthood, priestliness, you see that there is an emphasis on holiness. Everything that is picked in Leviticus must be sanctified. Even caps, cloths, and the human beings. Before God can use you. We have forgotten all these things and we are, we are piling up people upon people doing things. Anybody just enter the church and pick up a mic and they want to sing. That is misunderstanding of order, order in the house of God. When somebody walks up in our church and says, you know, I have a gift of singing and I want to sing next week, say, no, sit down. Are you born again? Are you saved? Say, what is that? And we explain to you. When we finish, you say, every Sunday, there are some people who meet up there. It is called Believer's Foundation Class. Go and join it. And if you are meek and lonely, you join. And you don't understand these things until you come to see, but our testimony is really our sanctification. People will get offended with the gospel when it is being handled. The vessels of service are not sanctified. I remember I was talking with one young man and he pointed to a church. He said, all the people on stage, I know them. All the, instru- the instrumentalists, I know them. And he did not speak well of them. You see, it's against the gospel. It's against. We will talk about that in the course of the messages on sanctification. It's our testimony. It's not signs and wonders. Signs and wonders have their place. But real testimony is sanctification. I read of a preacher in a continent was invited to go preach so he was using the train or a bus to, to the place when he got down the bus driver had given him excess in the change how much was the excess 50 pence see of that country 50 pence is like 50 pesos here how much is that so he, he, he saw it it's excess of 50 you 
And something was like, oh, this is nothing, just go. But thank God for a good conscience. He said, no. The Bible said, take up the little fossils that spoil the vine. Little, they spoil the vine. When you see a farm has been spoiled, normally it's not cattle and lions that went in to do it. Just some insects and things like that. So he turned to the driver and said, excuse me, you have given me excess. This is 50 pence. And then the bus driver said, oh, you are the preacher in town, isn't it? He said, yeah. He said, I'm looking for a church to attend. And I intentionally gave it to you to see. Because you have done this, I will attend your church. When he got that the preacher forgot about his assignment, he, there was a pole there. He, he hacked the pole and he said, Lord, I nearly sold your son for 50 cents. 50 pence. I nearly sold your son. That is the worth of Jesus. 50. Sometimes the worth of Jesus is a boy who is touching your ties. Jesus who died for you, forget. Then you allow a boy to be navigating through your ties. If we don't say this in church for you to know that it improves Christianity, and the people do that, they are in church. It's not outside. That is where sanctification comes in. on your feet in sanctification we see the estimation of Christ I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God don't sell Jesus for 50 cents 50 pence 50 pesos whatever Real worship is the ascent of sanctification. Real worship is the ascent of sanctification. It's not somebody who is who is uh, uh, doing spoken word or is a poet. Real worship. Thank God for creativity, but the creativity of all creativity in worship is sanctification. When we give an ascent in sanctification. The most impressive choir to God is a sanctified choir. The thing about the heavenly choir is not their voices. You know, sometimes we try to you know, speak up the voice of Satan. I don't know where we got it from. Of course, the Bible reveals the tabrets, the pipes, in, but it's not every pipe that can sing better. 
he still retained all those giftings but he lost attraction to God when there was no sanctification the command is sanctify yourself don't think about your neighbor think about yourself this evening sanctify yourself if you are a self then that is the message to you you are a self sanctify yourself sanctify yourself lift your hands to the Lord and talk to him as we bring ourselves to a close sanctify me Lord oh but I, there's nothing wrong with me it doesn't matter just tell him a clean vessel can still be washed there's nothing wrong with it and sometimes you don't know that you are not that clean as you think You are not that clean as you think. It's not heaping guilt on you, but it is facing the truth. It's Isaiah who said, Woe is unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Are your hands clean? Your thoughts, your mind, is it clean? Is your heart clean? Is there no spot of bitterness and envy and things of that kind? Father, we are praying tonight. Sanctify me, spirit, soul, and body. Brethren, there are depths in the faith. There are heights in the faith. Sometimes we stay at one place for far too long, not knowing that the Lord is calling us to come up higher. There is a higher plane in sanctification. Thank God for our justification. But Christ is not only our justification, He is also our sanctification. Jesus, that he must sanctify the people with his own blood. He suffered outside the camp, the city. Lord, we don't want your suffering to be in vain. In the light of your suffering, we submit ourselves for sanctification tonight. Sanctification tonight sanctification tonight yes Lord things that must leave us after a long time of being Christians that are still with us tonight with the soul of your spirit operate on our lives and take them off because the goal of our sanctification is our maturity. is our perfection. Be perfect as your father which is in heaven is perfect. There is a cry in our hearts for perfection.
let all imperfection be removed imperfection in our obedience imperfection in our consecration imperfection in our surrender imperfection in our attitudes and behavior father we pray in the name of jesus christ our lord if paul the apostle was lifting up a prayer what would he lift and the very god of peace sanctify you wholly completely totally and i pray god your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our lord jesus christ sanctification is blamelessness a lot of christians with blame many blame you can do signs and wonders and we will still be blamed it's common What takes away blame is sanctification. So he said, I pray God your whole spirit. Tonight we want to pray that prayer. Our whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. And then he ties it into the coming of the Lord. Because he's coming for a blameless people. Nobody walks into the church as a bride to be wedded with a soiled gown. No? Then thank God he said, faithful is he that has called you who also will do it the very god of peace sanctify you holy lord sanctify me totally spirit soul and body that i will be blameless before you lift up that prayer sanctify me but i will be blameless spirit soul and body blameless blameless between you and your wife blameless between you and others blameless where you live blameless where nobody is around blameless 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 in the name of jesus blameless blameless sanctify us wholly completely that will be blameless spirit soul and body in jesus name we pray
In Jesus' name we pray. When the Bible says blameless, you see, open your eyes and look here. It, it is in relation to many things. It has reference. See, this kind of Bible thing that is in the spirit, spiritual, I, I, you know, it, 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 it does not touch on anything. That is, you are not learning anything. You have your all you have is knowledge you know greek words you know hebrew words you know oh the blamelessness is in reference to things for instance between you and god blameless paul spoke to the church in this this, in 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 this people he wrote to Thessalonians. he said you know how holily and justly we behaved ourselves among you that means within the church is another reference point of blamelessness that i am a blameless pastor within the church you are a blameless member within let's go to your house husband and wife blameless because if God says that you should do something as far as a, how a wife is concerned, how, you, are not, you, are not, you are not without blame. You see, we, we, we have come to a Christianity in our days where we ourselves have taken authority into our hands. We have removed it from the Bible. It's in our own hands. It's he likes girls and so what let him do what no you can't do it i say you can't do it this thing has disqualified you we don't take authority into our own hands you are fighting at home when you come to you come and take the mic you are leading worship If my husband says one thing, I say, I'm a worship leader. You are not leading anything. We don't know, that's why. The blamelessness is in reference. It has a reference. It has a reference. It has references. Not even re- many ref- where you work, references. How you handle those students that you teach. Your faithfulness to the government. This Christianity. That is Christianity. When this thing comes back, that is revival. Not the one we are beating our own drums and making noise. Blamelessness. 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 May you be blameless. Blameless. It's a beautiful word. If you came to church today, you didn't hear anything. Blameless should be ringing in your mind. Blameless. 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 I'm 
I'm saying that it has a reference. Sometimes your, your truth is half truth. It's not really 100%. See, you are not blameless. <laughs> this is Christianity. He didn't say that you speak in tongues until ah, he comes. I pray for you that you speak in tongues. No. There's nothing wrong with tongues. But get the scales of spiritual weights. Get them right. Don't put something which is supposed to be here. Don't put it here. Something which is 10k kilograms. Don't make it 1 million kilograms. That is the mistake of a church. Blamelessness. Your money for offerings, is it blameless? When you cheat and you say you are giving offering. What a prayer. How many of you know Paul can pray better than better than us? Yeah. Effective prayer topic is not the one the people like to pray. So this prayer topic, when you raise it, people pray. No. It is what is here. It's what is here. Grace and truth, you see. This I'm jealous for this church. Super jealous. If there is anything I can die for, number one is this church, not my wife. I'm telling you. You put my wife there in the church, she will go. I love her, but the church. I know people say, oh, Jesus, uh, you know, when you backslide as a preacher, that's what you say. When you backslide, Christ said that we should love the ch- love your wife, not the church. Okay. You have not read that in heaven we don't marry. You are very short-sighted. The proof of love, I repeat, from Sunday, is jealousy for truth. And nobody should think that this thing can't conquer. When I look into my hands, I don't see or find anything to conquer with other than this one. What God gave Joshua for conquest is this one. This book of what? Did he conquer Jericho? I'm asking you, did he conquer Jericho? We will conquer Jericho. This book. Did he divide River Jordan in chapter 3? He divided it. Did he divide it? 
With what? With what? This book of the law. The instrument of our triumph. Money is the last thing for triumph in spiritual matters. Money. It is this book. And I want this book to come back to the church. Starting from here. I said I want this book to come back to the church. I want it to be in your heart. I want it to be in your mouth. So that we walk over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Joshua will be thinking of walking over Jericho everywhere the soul of your feet shall tread. That's not us now. We are not taking any Jericho. We are not in a physical warfare like Joshua was. We are in a spiritual warfare. What are the territories we must take? The world. What is in the world? When I say the world, the things that are in this world, the last of the flesh, the last of the other part of life, the devil tempted Jesus with it. What is in the world? These things. Another giant you must take. It's not the Anakims or the Jebusites, but your own flesh with the word and the devil with the word. And this word comes to sanctify you that you will triumph. In the spirit of the prophets, I see triumph. Oh, yes. We will triumph over uncleanness. We will triumph over sin. We will triumph over compromise. We will triumph over the works of the flesh. We will triumph over hypocrisy. We will triumph over treachery. We triumph over disloyalty. Triumph. That's why my eyes are open and blazing like fire. Because I've seen it before. When I see anybody want to spoil the church, my spirit is, is after you. It's navigating the church. If I find you, we will bury you like Achan. Oh yes. We think you are helping us, but you are not helping us. If my spirit finds you within 24 hours, you will be buried. You can be my family member, you will be buried. We are reading Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13. He said, Your hand should be first on that person. Your hand should be first. He's your brother or your sister, or a friend of your own soul. Your hand, you, your hand should be first. I preached about it here. Loyalty for triumph. I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail. We don't conquer the world with numbers. We conquer it with truth. 
in our inward parts. There is nothing that shows that the greater number of Christians, the greater our triumph. No. It is the truth that triumphs. If God can find one Elijah, just one, it's enough. If he can find one Joshua, it's enough. One Paul, it's enough. May you be like that. Hallelujah. Do you love the word of God? Do you love truth? Because we bear the web of this way. so Nothing can help us except this one. Nothing. Nothing. Except this one. And when people come to this church, help them to understand this one. Help them to understand this one. You are not really befriending people if you are not helping them with the word of God. That is the terms of friendship. The word. The word. You ask people, have you read your Bible today? Not to judge the person. You are not policing people. Can you share with me something? Even before we talk about mundane things. See, have you eaten and all of that? Yeah, oh, you have your power. The word. One man, they were on a ship. He taught another man the word of God. He taught him, he taught him, he taught him. And the man changed completely over time. Because the word changes, is the instrument of sanctification as well. And his friend asked him, why, why you have changed? What is the matter? So he brought him. He brought the one who has changed. He brought his friend to the one who changed him through the word of God. Change, he told him, what you did to me, do, do it to him. Then the man was why He said, no, what I did to you, you do it to him. I won't do it to him. You, I have, didn't I teach you? Now do it to him. And he did it to him. As I'm talking now, that thing that began, it has become a ministry. It is in 100 countries. It's a ministry in 100 countries, nations of the world. With a headquarters somewhere of one person teaching another. Lord bless you. Sunday we are going to be here. We are stuck to this book and we are within it. Sunday the Lord tarries and the Lord still allows me. I'll be talking about advancing to the ends of the earth. 
I appreciate your clapping, but I think it's okay. Yeah. If God makes you a leader of the church, lead. Don't suggest. And that's what we are going to do. You lead. My children can lead me in my house. They have never suggested what to eat. Never. Nobody who stays in my house chooses what to eat. It's what I eat, you eat. I've never seen where Paul tells Timothy, suggests everything. He tells Timothy, I'm commanding you. Then he tells him, these things you to command. If we don't tell God's people what God's word command, how would the church move on? People always want to hear what they want to hear. This church, we are advancing. I said we are advancing. I believe the apostles told the people in Jerusalem, the 3,000 people who came to join them, said, Jesus said we should go to the rest of the world. Though. That's why he told us. So we are commanding you. It's not about the apostles being furious and bossy. No. A command is simply passing on the instruction that was given to you. And that's why we are here. This word of God and this work of God will prosper in our hands. It will prosper in our hands. I pray for you that you will affect many people. You will affect nations. You will affect nations of nations. In the name of Jesus Christ. You have the truth. First, all that matters. There is a sword in your hand. It can take on giants. It can take on giants. It can take on giants. Don't look down on yourself. Don't think inferior of yourself. The Lord has justified you. The Lord is sanctifying you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And you can do what He says you can do. And at the end of it, you will triumph. Father, I thank you for triumph. Thank you for triumph. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Your name be praised. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.